Today's program is brought to you by Whole Foods Market, a dynamic leader in the quality food business, a mission-driven company that aims to set the standards of excellence for food retailers. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. I'm Linda Palaccio, host of A Taste of the Past. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Listening to Eat Your Words on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Kathy Arroway, and it's starting to look a little bit more like spring today, so we're excited here in Brooklyn for that. Um, so, you know, gluten free. Um, whether or not you ascribe to this diet, um, there's no denying that it's been changing the food landscape for the past few years pretty rapidly. Um, like it or hate it, um, I think that it's a wonderful opportunity to get back to the basics and start talking about whole grains and particularly cool ancient grains that um, seem to have been neglected since ancient times. So I'm really excited to have on not only a food expert and writer and recipe de- developer, but she's also a health and fitness expert. And she has just written a book called um, Everyday Gluten-Free Cookbook uh, from Bob's Red Mill, the employee-owned company that specializes in multiple whole grains. So it's Camilla Salisbury. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thanks. Thanks so much it's for joining us. on the show. Yeah. So uh, this um, cookbook, first of all, looks delicious, and I love the creative oh, recipes you. that you've done oh, with like... so much. Yeah, like millet, and I'm just starting to, you know, get into some of these, but... It's really exciting to see what can be done. Um, so what is it, so you know, kind of starting back, you mentioned in the introduction that you grew up eating a whole array of grains, and that was sort of unusual for for the American staple diet when you were growing up. It's true. I, I grew up in um, Berkeley, California, <laughs> okay. and very much had a co-op um, co-op shopping mom who also did and parents who loved to um, have a huge vegetable garden. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. And so um, it was a way to be um, healthy as well as frugal. And so it's just very natural um, for me to think of comfort foods as a big bulgur salad (laughs) or, you know, whole grain um, applesauce cake. Um, That's what I think of when I think of of home and great food. Awesome. So, but to a lot of this, like words like bulgur, frica, um, even quinoa, they're very exotic. and it's I'm true. yeah, I'm wondering how, where did this come about, and and how did the revival that you experienced, and and you know Bob's Red Mill has been um, selling, and you know, for a long championing, time, championing, yeah, exactly. Well, I think that that this is really sort of the exciting second phase of mm-hmm. gluten free. That it's not um, just about um, people who have to follow a gluten free diet or think that going gluten-free is maybe the be-all and end-all for solving all of their Mm -hmm. dietary concerns. It's about um, expanding your repertoire of really great foods that have been with us for a long time, but that we've forgotten about. And they're really simple to 
prepare. They're mm-hmm. loaded with great nutrition, and it just opens up this wealth of opportunities to have you know, really simple, wholesome, everyday foods just by um, trying out these new grains and the flowers that are associated with them. So, as mm-hmm. you mentioned, things like millet, um, which looks like couscous, really, but can be prepared like polenta um, or can be toasted to use like nuts, teff, which is an Ethiopian grain, sorghum, um, chia seeds, um, and certainly oats and buckwheat as well. And these are all naturally gluten-free. And as you mentioned in the intro, it's about getting back to basics and and just um, incorporating these in fresh new ways to your diet. Totally. And I love how some of these smaller grains are way quicker to cook than, like, say, rice, which... It's pretty much the only grain I grew up um, (laughs) encountering. Yeah, I think that's it. A lot of times people think, oh, gosh, whole grains can take me really long time to prepare. A lot of these um, cook up in less time than rice. So we're talking 15, 20 minutes, and and you've got a base for dinner. Mm Mm-hmm. At, at your fingertips. That's like that's a great revelation for me personally. Um, but uh, you know, why did we? I guess why did we for forget? Because you know, when you see like flat, like all-purpose flour, that really right. is not. It's not all-purpose anymore. I mean, and so many people are trying to find flours that are gluten-free nowadays. That it's an interesting um, study of like. Why has this become the all-purpose flour, just like this really refined, bleached white flour? Right. Um, Well, and that's really been part of the mission of Bob's Red Mill is this isn't just about, um, you know, eschewing all wheat. Like, it's not saying that wheat is bad per se or that other um, gluten-containing foods expel that are, you know, have gluten in them. It's not saying that you need to give these up entirely, but certainly if you can deny that um, our diet has become overly dependent on the highly refined white um, white flours and that are, have really been stripped of a lot mm-hmm. of the nutrition um, and that it's it's getting back to a way that that um, people cook not that long ago, where white flour wasn't the norm. You know, just you know, hundred years or so, and um, and and incorporating these grains have been around for a long time, and um, and and really embracing them mm-hmm. and saying like, look, um, this is a great way to to easily add health back to our diet without a lot of fuss, without a lot of weird extra ingredients. Right. Um, yeah, I, I I loved reading about how many um, grains that you talk about in this book and how in depth yeah. you get. Um, amaranth. Oh, thank is, you. Yeah, thanks so much. It's really cool. Like so, so tell me a little bit about amaranth because that's one I haven't really encountered yet. But it goes oh, sure. it goes back to ancient times, and it was like a staple of like pre-Columbian Aztecs. But that's it was right. almost extinct, that's right. right? So. Yeah, and if people are familiar with um, quinoa at all, which that, mm-hmm. that's become um, more commonplace now, um, this is what quinoa was to the ancient Incas. Um, amaranth has been um, to the people of Central America, okay. to the Aztecs. And it's very similar in some ways to um, quinoa in that it's um, almost a complete protein, so it has all the um, essential amino acids, and it's really simple to cook. It's really fun to cook. It has a similar texture texture, but the grain is smaller. So you can still use it in salads the way you would, or soups, um, similar to quinoa or to rice or couscous. Um, but you can also do something really fun with amaranth. You can pop it. Um, and there's this great, um, 
it's a dessert similar to Rice Krispies, Dolce de Alegria, um, that's um, really popular at fairs and such in um, Central America and Mexico. And it's just these popped greens. It takes about 10 seconds to pop them. That's fun. And, the, yeah, they're bound together with either honey or agave nectar. It's They're so delicious, and it's and your kids love them. My 8-year-old loves them because it's the teeniest, tiniest popcorn you've ever seen. Ah. And, you know, similar to quinoa, it sounds like amaranth was so important to these ancient cultures that they were, yes. you know, they were an important part of religious practice. They were like a That's currency, right. too. Um, well, and that's it. Some of these grains were um, pushed aside because of the conquerors that came into that region and wanted to push more uh, mainstream European grains, such as wheat, and and then also um, you know later corn, which um, is making that the dominant crop, even mm-hmm. that, though that's originally from Central America. Um, so it's not that these grains. Um, completely disappeared. It was more that they were pushed aside okay. in favor of more mainstream grains. And so we're starting to rediscover these grains, even though they really never went away entirely. Okay. Um, uh, yeah. And Another y- great thing is a lot of these grains, too, amaranth and quinoa are great examples, is they're able to grow in very rocky soil. So they're really beneficial to the earth as well. So we can grow them in places where oh. a lot of traditional grains can't grow and they're not destructive to the environment. So lots of great reasons to, to eat so, these naturally gluten-free grains. Yeah, <laughs> there's like no reason why we shouldn't grow more of it. Yeah, it yeah, like. exactly. This is really fascinating, and you can totally see why they ate so much of it, because it has, it's like a, like you said, a total protein, and if you don't have a lot of meat around, you know, this um, this grain in particular has, like, iron and all sorts of good stuff, so. It's true, and, and you know, that's, I... It's harking back to my parents. I was growing up in the late 70s and 80s, and, yeah, this was a way, it's a really simple way to stretch meals. I think we've gotten away from the idea, like, hmm, how can you make a little bit of meat go a long way? Well, now people are forced to do it again, and the result is you can have incredibly delicious meals. It's not about sacrificing. It's more um, celebrating the diversity mm. of flavors and textures yeah. by trying out these different grains. It's not about giving up. It's about getting more. And that's so exciting for somebody who's like a cook or, or, or just a home cook yes. to, to play around with new, exciting ingredients. So, Oh, it really is. That. And the, the textures are so amazing with these grains. Like amaranth, it's, you can make a really great porridge with it, or you can have it um, in a salad, in soups. It can thicken up um, stews. It, it's And then, of course, the popping and use it in all mm-hmm. sorts of desserts or toppings. It's just a really it's fun a ingredient. Yes. So tell me as an expert, like I'm looking yeah. through and I see like sorghum, you know, I know quinoa, that's right. kind of like a hot, what is the next really super cool, like insider knowledge only grain? <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think calf is okay. really, um, a hot, hot new grain. Calf and millet, um, uh, so teff is the um, Ethiopian grain I mentioned. It has been around for um, four to 5,000 years. It okay. is so incredibly nutritious and diverse. The flour that you can grind from it is terrific like in any kind of chocolate dessert, mm. especially, or anything that has brown sugary flavors. It has oh. a sort of natural sweetness to it that is so good in baked goods. But the um, when you use it... Um, 
if you've ever been to an Ethiopian restaurant, there's mm-hmm. this great bread called injera bread. Yeah. Um, and it's so that, yeah, the spongy, it's a fermented yes. bread. So that's made from teff flour. But you can use it to make, um, to, again, it's, a, it's the world's tiniest grain. So you can <laughs> use it as a thickener for any kind of soup or wow. stew. Um, you can use it in salads. And it, I mean, the nutrition is just off the charts. It has vitamin C. It's one of the, it's an excellent source of vitamin C. I mean, who would have thought that from a grain? (laughs) Yeah. So it, I I think it's, it's really delicious. It's incredibly versatile. Um, It's just a a great grain. And both teff and millet are relatively inexpensive, which I think is exciting. Yeah. So you can experiment and not break the bank by just buying a bag of them. Um, So. Wow, that is a, that is really cool. Okay, say teff. So that's what injera bread is made of, and that's sort of like yeah, kind of yeah. grayish, bluish, purplish. It, it's well, sort it, of to me. It, I thought it was like buckwheat flour because it has the similar color. Sure, right. It does, and that's it, the I'm flour done. when it's the grain itself looks very dark brown. Mm-hmm. Um, they're these tiny. They almost look like little poppy seeds. Um, but then when it's ground into flour, it looks a little bit lighter. So it's oh. good. on the inside of the grain, there's a, it, it does have, sort of have a grayish, brownish color. Uh-huh. Um, and so that then it's the you let the the flour and water ferment for a day, so it gets it sort of bubbly, and I think that's the resulting color for the bread. Gotcha. Comes from that. Yeah. Right. And it is delicious. Um, so some of these, I guess a lot of these we've been talking about are technically seeds, too. And uh, when you mentioned right. millet, that one strikes me as a seed. Um, right. Even well, though both millet are, and teff, yeah, are technically mm-hmm. seeds um, and certainly chia seeds. Millet is more... Um, people probably have seen it before, but didn't realize that it's the most common ingredient in bird bird seeds yes. <laughs> of the bird food that you purchase. Um, and what's great, I mentioned this um, just when we started, but what's really wonderful about millet is you can toast it dry. Mm-hmm. Um, just put it in the oven for about 10 to 12 minutes at 350, and it gets nutty and crunchy, and you can use it as a substitute for nuts in baked goods, um, in Bread. cookies, so, and in breads, yeah, pretty much any there. Pancakes, it's so good. And it's not just for people who have nut allergies. It's a really great frugal option for nuts. Nuts can be really expensive. Right, um, right. And this is a great way to add crunch to salads, to baked goods for literally pennies. Wow. Uh, Camilla, I have to tell you something. Uh, when I was in Taiwan, yes. some of the Aboriginal communities were making millet wines and flowers oh, wow. from millet, and this is something they've been doing for a long time. Um, so, yeah, oh, I mean, fascinating. millet wine. Yes, I've not heard of that. That's really exciting. Did yeah. you try it? I did. Yeah, it tasted like rice wine, sorta. Interesting. Um, Oh, that's, and where where was this again? In in Taiwan's Aboriginal communities. Okay. Oh, <laughs> fascinating. Oh, well, now I'm going to have to go look that yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, so many versatile uses for these things that um, have been around for a while. I mean, millet. I I thought of as birdseed for a long time. So. I know. <laughs> I know. And yeah, the the birds had it right. It's it's really great stuff. <laughs> the birds had it pretty good. <laughs> well, and also I should mention that again these these are these are old grains that have been rediscovered mm-hmm. um, polenta, the, the polenta that was first made by the Romans oh. was actually made with millet oh, rather no than kidding. corn because corn was a new world ingredient 
ingredients. Yeah. So before corn was brought back, polenta was traditionally made with millet. And it does make this incredibly creamy, luscious, sort of unctuous polenta that's um, very simple to make. You don't have to stand near the what? stove the whole time. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, so really, really great wow. stuff. Oh, so it's really interesting to note that like corn was like really cool and in fashion. It was the new thing, uh, right? And in Italy in those times, and um, that's right. Like we're going to give up this millet. Right. We're going to try this exciting new corn, and now we're sort of going the other direction. Well, let's forget about corn for a while. Let's give millet a try again. Well, I'd be very curious to see what Italian uh, chefs do with that knowledge. Yeah. I know it's exciting. Oh, and the teff can be used for to make a polenta too. That is just beyond delicious because it has that nutty nutty flavor to mm. it and slightly sweet. There's no bitterness to it. Anyone yes. occasionally people say that quinoa has a slightly bitter flavor to them, mm. um, but. Um, Teff, not at all. Millet, not at all. So wow. I think anyone who's maybe like, oh, I'm not sure about some of these new grains, um, th- they should rest assured that these are all really versatile, really delicious. Children love them, too. So I get a cool. test for my picky eight-year-old. Aww. All right. Well, um, we're just going to cut to a quick little musical interlude and so much more to chat about next. listening to Shadow Puppets by Odetta Hartman, and this is Eat Your Words. Take a sip from your chalice, just stay in Today's program has been brought to you by Whole Foods Market. Are you a locavore? Our Northeast Regional Forager for Whole Foods Market sure is. She spends her time traveling around the New York City metro area sourcing the best new or interesting artisanal and handcrafted local products for our purchasing teams at the local store level. Part of our commitment to our local suppliers includes assisting them with the process of getting their products sold at our stores. Whether it's suggesting packaging designs, pricing, or distribution methods, she's helping some of the area's best new products reach savvy shoppers at Whole Foods Market stores. Today, New York. Tomorrow, the world. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. Hello, this is Mark Ladner from Del Posto, and you're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Hey, we're back chatting more with Camilla Salisbury, a longtime food writer, and her most recent book is Everyday Gluten-Free Cookbook from Bob's Red Mill. Um, So, Camilla, I have to admit that I have sort of mixed feelings about gluten-free, like the revolution, and I get so many books and articles thrown my way that sound just really like negative, like anti, anti, anti gluten. But um, I loved your book because sure. it was so passionately pro cool grains that um, oh, it really good. shines through as like the main message. Um, but what would you have to say? And, and, you know, I could tell from this book that you have so much to say about whole grains. But what would you say to folks who are kind of looking at gluten free as maybe a best precaution or a one size fits all sort of solution to 
to eating better? Um, I would say, well, first of all, I, I, we are so on the same page that it's, it's not about, you know, anti-gluten, right, right. all gluten is bad. I would say to really, it's not about curing everything in your life through gluten-free. It's really about expanding your diet. Mm-hmm. It's really about, um, about sort of celebrating what has been around for a long time and that we really have forgotten about. Um, so these, these ancient grains in particular are really about um, expanding our health in general, getting more options with ease into mm-hmm. your diet. So I know sometimes you're buying a lot of fresh um, produce on a weekly basis can be can Expensive. be difficult. One oh. way one way you can really ensure getting a lot of these um, antioxidants, um, micronutrients is sort of having this under sort of underscoring your diet with whole grains. Right. That there are so many nutrients in these grains, so you can really build um, a great foundation to your diet by incorporating these grains, mm-hmm. and then and gradually and add it whatever. Um, whatever you want, to, whether you're vegan, whether you are paleo, whether you want to eat meat or don't eat meat, that you can add in what you like to them. But this is such a great foundation for a healthy, sustainable diet. Try it and see if you like it. You know, yeah. it's like well, and it's hard. I, I really think when people do try these mm-hmm. grains, they'll be thrilled because they're really versatile. It's not just okay; it has this one texture. No, you can create multiple textures, multiple right. uses for baking. Um, it's they're really delicious and different in an exciting new way. So it's with, an easy way to add diversity to your diet. Right, and whether or not you're celiac or who knows what. Yeah, it's really not about that. It's really about um, about getting away from a really refined white flour yeah. diet. Because um, I think we can all agree that that's that's probably not the best for us. Not that it's not that you can't have a great croissant every once in a while. <laughs> Yeah, um, but that's God, one keep the foundation to the whole grains. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about energy too, because yeah. you know you're a fitness trainer. So, like the huge right. difference for me when I eat a pizza versus a whole grain salad is the energy level, and um, you know that's that has something to do with the glycemic index. That is totally right. different for whole grains and refined. Oh, well, that's it. And that's so true. And what's interesting about a lot of, this is a really important point. I'm glad you brought it up for um, the, these grains that I cover in the book is that many of them are alkaline uh, as opposed to being acidic. So mm-hmm. in terms of it, m- much of, and for those who aren't familiar with that discussion of alkaline versus acidic, the main thing you need to know is most of the, the majority of the modern Western diet is acidic. acidic. And that this can really throw our systems out of balance. And so it's really important to get more alkaline foods mm-hmm. in the produce, certainly. But um, these particular grains, these um, gluten-free grains, um, are naturally alkaline. So it's a really great way to balance out your, your system, make you feel more well. It's right. great for your digestion and certainly overall your energy since we're finding out more and more that, um, you know, digestion, how it's so profoundly linked to our daily energy. So um, definitely when I think about, you know, a typical meal, like, like right here in <laughs> reverse, I'm seeing beer. Okay. Acid, acidic forming, um, <laughs> pizza, cheese, 
uh, coffee. Um, I know, I love my coffee. (laughs) Pepperoni, all these are acid-forming, so we need to find some way to balance that out. Um, Yeah, and and this is a great way to do it. So, again, it's it's hearkening back to that this is more than, oh, just like gluten-free is the cure. It's like, no, that there's so many great health benefits, certainly just by eating these grains, but the I think still the biggest message on top of that is they are so delicious. You're not sacrificing. You're you're getting more from the health, from the the flavor. They're just it's mm. really exciting. It is. Um, your recipes are really inventive. I have to say. Oh, um, thanks. There's thanks a so sorghum. Much. There's a sorghum and zucchini chickpea ragu that looks really beautiful. Um, you, I don't know. There's really cool stuff. What is your favorite recipe? And then I will try to come up with mine from this well, book. Well, I really, I, um, one of my favorites in the, the book is um, this, it's a low country okra tomatoes and black eyed peas ragu. I, I grew up as, I mentioned in Berkeley, but I live in the south. Now I live in Texas. Oh. And my husband's from Arkansas. So I really, I love a lot of the southern flavors. I, I, I'm one of those people who loves okra. I know some people are okra haters. I love it. No, um, I love and okra. black eyed peas. So, and what's great here is that the millet in this case is cooked. It's on a bed of millet that's really creamy. So it's, it's for people who are meat eaters. This it's vegan, but it's very meaty tasting. Mm. Um, it's so hearty and delicious. It's great for a cold March day. Are, are the folks in, yeah, are the folks in Texas liking it? At least your family. Yeah, it, it's really. I think you can really see how. Um, yeah, the interest in healthy eating and just or expanding one's diet. I, I always sort of use the city I'm living in, which is Nacogdoches, Texas. I, but if people are eating it here, then certainly people are probably eating it in the rest of the country. So mm-hmm. um, it's a good barometer for what's happening um, throughout the country. Exciting. Or would eat yeah. it if they even just knew it existed. Um or it could be done. So, so one of the inventive ways you've used um, a grain, actually chia, a seed, is that you oh, use yeah. it as like a crust for a, a searing salmon with some sesame right. seeds and chia, and that looks so good. Um, it, yeah, it's yeah. great. You can make all sorts of yummy little crumbles with the chia seeds and then you know add them to smoothies to thicken them up and then i also i i think my second favorite recipe in the book i love lime so i have a key lime pie that's that's oh, dairy yeah. free it's vegan what? i almost hate saying it's free it's of this dairy that because free? it's so full of flavor it's really How tart did you do lemon that? <laughs> And it's made with coconut milk and then also oh. the chia and chia seeds. Um, so it's, you know, the chia seeds become, for people who aren't familiar with mm-hmm. how they work, is that once they become wet, they um, become, they take on gel-like properties. So you can make quick no-cook jams. You can make pie fillings, um, all with wow. the little chia seeds. You don't even have to, to cook it. Um, so it's really fun to work with and a lot of um, no-bake desserts. Wow. So your um, key lime pie, it looks like it has little sprinkles uh, throughout the custard of chia seeds. Is that correct? Right. So they really look like poppy seeds. Yeah. And, in fact, you can use chia seeds um, in any recipe that um, would normally call for poppy seeds or mm. where you think poppy seeds would be delicious, mm-hmm. add chia seeds. Like totally. I have some uh, lemon chia seed, um, some lemon chia seed pancakes, which are 
crazy mm. delicious. I wonder why we've only been not only okay, obviously not only, but <laughs> we've been mostly <laughs> well that too. But we've mostly seen chia seeds floating around in drinks. Do you know how that? came about? Um, was that just an well, easy it's vessel? Actually, it's actually a very traditional use for the chia seeds in um, Mexico and mm-hmm. Central America, doing different types of agua frescas. Wow. And chia seeds were heralded by the ancient Aztecs for um, as a great ener- source of energy. Mm-hmm. So it's been a long tradition of um, making simple drinks with the chia seeds, and that's now being... Um, incorporated into recipes in the United States. So it's really another case of everything old is new again. I gotcha. And uh, what about Chia Pets? Is that... <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> what about Chia Pets? Yeah, well, and actually you can sprout your Chia seeds, as we know from <laughs> Chia Pets, and the sprouts are really delicious salads. So if you have a Chia Pet hanging around, you haven't sprouted the seeds oh yet, gosh. go for it. That's so funny that it was being used for this purpose. Um, I know. <laughs> does it, doesn't Chia sort of just mean seed, though? And it could be any seeds you could put on one of those terracotta things? Or am I... I don't know. That, I mean, was it I chia seeds? I, I, I don't know about that. I mean, because, for, as far as I know, it was it particularly was chia oh, seeds. Okay. Yeah, because because um, <laughs> for the commercials, for but you're able to spread the chia seeds it's because they get kind of thick. Oh, and they get so as soon as they get thick, you can okay. spread them over the you know Saddam Hussein head. I know there was a Saddam Hussein chia pet. <laughs> 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 so I don't know if all seeds would do that. Oh, so. I see. I see. And they do sprout really quickly, too. And can you eat the sprouts? Yeah, you oh, can. Oh, yeah, yeah. The yeah, sprouts are delicious. Um, I, I don't have a recipe for that in the <laughs> um, book. Um, but, yes, you can. they sprout um, really easily, and it's a, they have a wonderful sort of sweet flavor to them. Mm-hmm. So like, people, it's, you could Google it and find figure it out. Yeah. many recipes for, or many um, directions for making chia sprouts. Yeah, and they, they're like delicious little microgreens, it looks like. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and they're not too tiny. They, they grow to a decent size, so they're, you know, if you're a tiny Brooklyn apartment, you can have some great microgreens growing in your, Just in your kitchen them, or in your windowsill. Just snip them right from the chia pet. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It would be really fun to grow your microgreens on the chia pet because then you have art and and yeah. food all in one. You know, I think I'm going to do that. I think I think you should. I think there's going to be a revival in chia pets. Um, yeah, where... yeah. I mean, the all the only question now is which chia pet to get. <laughs> oh gosh, that is good. Well, hopefully, we'll see more inventive ones than that yeah. weird person's head, like that I man's <laughs> head that is like the classic. <laughs> very strange all right well um so i guess that's about all the time we have today but um, i can't thank you enough all day about ancient greens yeah i mean and there's so many to go over that you cover here like we didn't even really talk about sorghum too much or or quinoa but um i hope everyone checks out this wonderful cookbook and um thank you so much keep on keep up the great work creating these inventive recipes and hope oh thanks so much yeah we hope to see more of them in the future Oh, great. Um, well, thank you. Thanks so much, Camilla, and thanks everyone thanks. at Heritage. We'll see you next week on Eat Your Words. The theme song for Eat Your Words is Lovin' Like This by the California Honey Drops. Whoa, the way you took it so slow. 
Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.